night coming at you. Uh, I'm Bobby Burton along with Ian Boyd and Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas. This uh, live stream brought to you by the guys at Energy Texas. Um, hey, Ian and Jerry, I tell you what, uh, big week coming up for the Longhorns. 4-0 start. Now they play 4-0 Kansas at DKR on Saturday. Uh, Ian Boyd, you wrote a great article. I just want to start with that. What a great article you wrote today for you know, on Inside Texas. Uh, appreciate that. If people haven't read that, step on over to Inside Texas. Uh, you talked about how Texas has been very difficult for teams in the Big 12 and looks to be very difficult going forward uh, for two purposes or for two reasons. Uh, give people a, a summary kind of what you talked about in that article. Yeah. So they have two really dominant traits to their team this year, and either of them can kind of, are maybe sufficient to control a game. First is just all the skill talent, which is what we anticipated all offseason if it came together. It's just impossible to match up to this Texas team when they're throwing the ball around well. Now they, they'll get better and better at that as the season goes. They'll get better when they have a clear grasp of what kind of defense the other team is going to play. Uh, the timing will improve, protection will improve. But even as it is right now, when, when, they, got a, when they gave a focused effort against Alabama and, and Baylor, they looked like a nightmare to cover up everything that they were doing. So that's already right there, probably Big 12 favorites just on that. But that's not it. They also have a D-line this year that is completely dominating games. And not only the inside a defensive tackle is, I mean, they just completely wrecked everything Baylor wanted to do. But they also have depth and versatility in how they play outside. Like um, against Baylor, Baylor wanted to run with power on the perimeter with tight ends and wide zone. They put Vernon Broaden out there. They put Alfred Collins out there, and they just shut it down. And Baylor could get no movement on the outside. They play maybe a more passing team, though they can put Ethan Burke out there. They can put Baron Sorrell. They could put Anthony Hill. They could start Anthony Hill if they played like an air raid style team and then just cause fits with pass rush. So just the overall versatility and talent level on the D-line is enough to allow them to completely control and dominate offenses this season. So you have just these two beat you before the game starts with matchups and, you know, dictation on both sides of the ball. We haven't, we haven't seen this in a long time, guys. We haven't seen this in a really long time. Yeah, I, I think uh... – it's kind of what Tom Luganville said this morning. Falls in line with that, uh, Ian. Tom Lugas was on uh, our Coffee and Football Morning Show, and he obviously was sideline reporter, and and uh, he talked about that. Um, he talked about the versatility of the defensive line for Texas, uh, and and how, how what they could do option wise, how they can line up defensively against people. I mean, it's kind of crazy. I, I, by the way, I love it. Breckenridge, Colorado. I see new places check in every time we do a show. It's all awesome, guys. Thank you for letting us know where you're checking in from. I love it. Um, somebody just uh, – I just saw another and it was interesting. Uh, but, yeah, it, you know, what was interesting to me, Ian, in that game was, you know, you see Ethan Burke line up at a three-point stance. Then he lines up at a two-point stance, right? You see all this versatility within a game, too, which I, I just thought, to your point, was – um, is just really become the strength of this team this year. I don't think there's any doubt, and, and and that's not to take anything. I mean, Ford and Bendis should be the two leading tacklers on this Texas team because of what the defensive line is doing. They don't get enough chances. Yeah. 
Their team can't stay on the field, and then Texas is subbing them out. And yeah, Sometimes I that's really good defenses. Like if you look at like 2011 LSU and Tyran Matthews Heisman case, his he like led the team with like 70 tackles. Yeah, which isn't that many, but nobody could run any plays on LSU that year. Right. Right. Hey, hey, Ian, uh, people not familiar with Ian Boyd, he's, he's our X's and O's expert on Inside Texas. He does the Friday live live stream with us. At least he did before Rod came aboard and we had it at the co-op. He does football theory on Thursdays with Rod. He's on the watch with us uh, during the games, that, breaking down some X's and O's as well with Aaron Hogan. Uh, and just as a, an all-around, um, you know, just a, a really smart guy about football and somebody – we lean on it inside Texas and on hey, Texas. Ian, I got a question. <laughs> Thank you for that, John. Uh, Saturday night when Texas was in 4-3 traditional look and took Jade Barron off the field, what were your thoughts on that? Just taking Jade Barron. Would you just say, we got to leave him on the field at any cost. We got to play him at safety, whatever. It, it, to me, it's it was tough to see your one of your top three players not on the field. I I didn't like it. It didn't really matter. At that game, right? <laughs> I mean, they played like five safeties in that game. Um, I, I think maybe they're just trying to find snaps for – they want to get Derek Williams in the field because that kid's going to be like yeah. an NFL guy, right? Yeah. They like to get snaps for Michael Taft because he's honestly pretty good and he's just a great culture guy on the team. Jaron Thompson, Catalan, you want to get them snaps. They're your starters. Uh, and then Keaton Crawford too. It's good to keep him engaged. So I'm guessing that they just didn't want to, they just didn't feel like they needed to, but I, I hated that. Um, I would want to see Jedi, Jedi Baron on the field at safety. If they go to that look against a better team. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it may be like postseason <laughs> before you really need that from the way the big 12 looks right now. But um Yeah. Uh, well, here's here's the question. I think that that Rod had this as well, Ian. Uh, Rod was against it, you know, taking Jadai Barron off the off the field as well. And I I think everybody understands that he's maybe the guy that right now is a possible All American on defense, along with Jalen Ford. Uh, I'm not sure about the defensive line yet because of the sacks and all that stuff. That, that those guys tend to rack up and get points on, you know. But the question I had uh, for you as it, as it relates to that. I just feel like the multiplicity of Pete Kwiatkowski is really starting to shine. I mean, who would have thought he would have run out of four, a base 4-3 against Baylor? I mean, I, did you think that going into that game? I, I certainly didn't. I mean, you know, that, that adding, adding that look along with the Alfred Collins out at the end sometimes, I mean, he can just – He's got a lot of toys. I mean, we talked about Steve Sarkeesian having a lot of toys on offense. Pete Kwiatkowski has a lot on defense, and he's using them. He did a lot of this in uh, Washington. Like, I, I looked back at a 2018, I think. They, had, they didn't have any single good, like, dominant NFL edge. So I looked back to see what they even did. And when they played, like, Oregon or a power team, this was, like, the crystal ball team, they would play, like, just big – flexible defensive tackles at defensive end. If they played a team that was going to throw the ball around, they had linebackers that they had cross-trained at edge and they'd spin them down. So he's really good at kind of playing the matchups and, and moving guys around. Um, I think it's basically been three years at Texas before they really had the the depth and the guys that knew how to do all the different things so that they could do that. 
I mean, we definitely didn't see this last year. And uh, they played around maybe a little in 2021, but they like they lost Jacoby Jones to injury. And, I mean, they had nothing. Like, right? It was like Jet Bush at defensive end. So I think what's scary about – the scariest thing about the Texas defense – and, guys, you all know I'm on record. I can't yet say if they're a great defense because they haven't gone against a great offense. Um, and they may not unless they play somebody like a Washington down the road, right? You just, it's kind of an unknown – if somebody can negate the Texas D-line strength, then attack Ryan Watts deep consistently. The Texas safeties from hash to bat. We may not see that for a while. I don't know. Maybe Kansas or Oklahoma can do it a little. I just don't think Kansas OL can hold up. Um, Kansas is the best test probably. Yeah, probably is. Multi- multiplicity, what they do, right? They're going to run a little option. They're going to test you in different ways that you haven't seen. But my thought, what well, my thought, guys, is, uh, the one thing about the Texas defense, and I just I say this because somebody asked about Jalen Cattle not playing a lot of snaps. There's going to be a game this year where they play those guys a lot more snaps than they have. There's going to be one game where every, a lot's on the line and maybe they don't rotate quite as much. That's when I, I'm very interested to see this Texas defense. What happens when Jade Barron? What happens when Jalen Catalan? What happens that game where those guys play 50 snaps? How, how good can Texas be? I'm very interest, interested to see that if we get that opportunity this year because I think they're doing I think they're doing what they're doing without having to play some of their best players a lot of snaps. So how good will they be in that one or two games when they do do that? I I don't have the answer, but I'm interested to see what it looks like because I know Jalen Cannon's a hell of a player, and they they have flexibility. They don't have to play him a lot of snaps. They can keep him healthy despite what Sark said about him not being on a pitch count. Maybe he's not on a pitch count, but they're trying to keep him healthy. You you have to. I mean, it, Rod was talking about this the other day with Drew Kelson on the on the postgame, Jerry, and it was, it was almost hilarious because Rod and Drew were like, you can't play the way Jalen Catalan plays and stay healthy. No. It's not a either <laughs> – it's virtually impossible to throw your body around like that and be able to stay stay with them. Um, I just feel like the 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 Texas is doing things on offense and defense that bring a lot of trouble to an opposing team. They can go with they can go heavy uh, with the Malik Ogbo twelve personnel type thing. They can go five wides um, on offense. On defense, they can bring the pass rush with guys like Burke and and Anthony Hill, or they can play heavy with guys like Alfred Collins and now even go to a true 4-3. Um, they've got faster corners whenever you, whenever Ryan Watts needs a breather. they got a guy that's – you know what I mean? They, they have all these answers. Yeah. You know, I think the one thing that, that still bothers me about Saturday's game, and I've re- now rewatched that game twice, is special teams. Um, obviously, I know that that's been said, uh, but – uh, you know, the two punt muffs, the, the kickoff muff. Yes, Xavier Worthy had a, a, a big return, but uh, really the one that may have bothered me more than, than the two muff punts was the missed field goal from Burt Auburn. What happened he, there? You know, he, he just looked like he hit it fat, you know, like in a golf shot that you hit fat and you like clip the bottom of your, your club to the, to the, uh, to the turf. That's, that's what uh, it felt like to me. Hook them from your pool. That's not, that's not what we need to hear here. Hey, um, I, Ian and Jerry, I, I want to segue our conversation now into to Kansas a little bit. 
I, I want to do that. I want to take some questions from the audience tonight. Yeah. Uh, before we do that, I want to say thank you to our sponsor. Our sponsor on each and every Tuesday live stream is uh, Energy Texas. Uh, Energy Texas is for Texans by Texans. Right now they have a uh, flex plan that allows you to choose your energy plan each and every month without any additional charge. So that's no, no change in cost to change your plan. Uh, call them at 855-461-1129 or visit them online at energytexas.com. It's Texas electricity done right. Uh, all right, let's talk a little Kansas. The Jayhawks come in 4-0, uh, Ian and Jerry. Uh, all the talk is about their offense, but they have an improved defense right now. Ian, what do you think? I, yeah, <laughs> I, I think they're going to be up against it on defense this week. Um, they have definitely a few good players on defense. They have the, the kid Kobe Bryant, um, who nearly took the life of a BYU yeah. player on a reverse. Um, they have, I think, one of their defensive tackles is actually pretty solid. Uh, Gage yeah, Keys. Gage, the kid from Minnesota, Keys. I, mean, I can't remember. I can't. Yeah. I want to say Dunn. They're all transfer guys. All of them are transfers, portal guys. None of them, though, at the nose. Their nose guys are getting just blown away against uh, against BYU, so I don't think that bodes very well against Texas. They, I, they don't have a ton of speed either. They're safe. Are like Craig Young's like 225. Um, Logan, who's been there forever and has like 5,000 career tackles, is like 210. <laughs> then they have another guy that transferred from Purdue that's like 210, 215. I don't know what's going to happen when Texas attacks them up the seams with Sanders, much less worthy. So I think Kansas's path in this game is shootout. I, I think their game, their their hopes in this game is basically. Well, Texas this and Texas that, but Jalen Daniels, and maybe they can maybe they can keep up. I, I thought uh, what was interesting. I, I, Logan's really good at safety. I, the, I saw. I just happened to see that kid in Saint Aug in high school. Um, I, I think he's a very good football player. I agree with Ian. You know, the BYU tight ends had some free running space in that game. I thought that was interesting. Headed to Austin, um, and I, I don't. I, I just. I know. Kansas has some sack numbers as a team. Uh, I really think if Texas offensive line plays well, Saturday Kansas is in trouble. Um, I, I, because I think they're going to have to bring – I don't think they're going to be able to sit back in the zone if Texas effectively runs the ball. I, I, if I think Texas can get Kansas out of what they ideally want to do Saturday. Yeah. I, I think if they can, then, then it's going to be a long night. But uh, to Ian's point, I think the path for winning to them – is to make this 45 to 42. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, that's what Ian's really saying. That's, and, scary, and I don't, that's, I don't scary, that's scary because that's the opposite of how teams have been effective against Texas this year. Well, ha have, has anybody really been effective? <laughs> effective? Nobody's gotten within 10 points. Well, I, I mean, Wyoming's 10, 10 in the fourth. They choked yeah. the clock. They choked the clock in that game. I mean, to me, I don't know if I want to get in a shootout with teams that have better skill against a team like Texas, who has NFL players at every position. Uh, but I, I mean, I'm not saying they won't, but to me, I'm coming in doing what I do, trying to control a clock like Wyoming and try to get to the fourth quarter. Um, well, they've got a they they've got a quarterback, Jerry, that is I a know. better that is right now a better college quarterback than Quinn Ewers. So while 
if you can, to your point, if you can get to the fourth quarter with him, you probably like your chances, right? You probably like your chances with Jalen Daniels. I mean, to Jer- especially if you have that D on their heels, any at all. To Jerry's point, maybe you put it on Jalen Daniels, and you're like, "Hey, we're gonna, we're not going to take a lot of shots. We're going to try to, we're going to try to possess the ball, and you're going to have to make magic happen on third down so we can hold possession." Um, so I mean, Jerry may be right in that regard. You know, because at some point in a shootout, your uh, defense just gets run ragged and worn out and the Texas defense is liable to make a play at any moment. Um, so yeah, maybe that, maybe that, maybe you try to do, you try to win with offense, but offensive ball control. Somebody asked um, Jalen Daniels strengths and weaknesses. He's extremely athletic. He's got a really strong arm. Um, he's pretty smart. Obviously he's accurate. He can run a lot of different things. They'll run option, like Bobby was saying. They'll throw the ball down the field. Um, but he has he wants he has a knack for hero ball. And he will sit back there and hold on to the ball for forever. Uh, when he was a freshman, he got nearly killed just taking shots. He'd have like games of 20 carries, and it would be like five designed quarterback runs and then 15 plays where he got himself hit but trying to make something happen. He's tuned that, toned that down a little bit, but he did get injured last year too. So um, then I guess working against Jerry's point, if you put a lot on Jalen Daniels' plate, he's liable to uh, go overboard and get himself into trouble. I, I, Ian, I, I predicted on one of the morning shows, I, I, I think Jalen Ford may have a pick in this game. And the reason I say that is, and I respect the heck out of Jalen Daniels as a quarterback, as a competitor, but he has drops the ball so far below the water down to his hip. He has an ex- he has a quick arm, but he totally gives away when the ball's about to come out of his hand. And you have two split seconds to react to that windup. I, I have a prediction that Jalen Ford's going to get one this week on that because it's just such a long release that he has. If he's holding the ball – as good as Jalen Ford is, I, I have a feeling Ford may get one on him. He's Jaylen, got, he got one last year on him. Release. He got one last year on him. Yep. You know, so I, I think that, that, that that's uh, uh, interesting. All right. Uh, speaking with Ian Boyd and Jerry Hamilton of InsideTexas.com. Uh, check us out on InsideTexas.com each and every day. Uh, multiple articles uh, each and every day. I think 10 plus uh, every day in the last week. It's been uh it's it's been fun covering the Longhorns, fellas. Uh, when they're four and zero, it's a lot better than when they're two and two. Uh, they could be in Waco or in uh, in uh, Lubbock right now and be one and three. Uh, you know, so uh, Bobby, Texas, you watched uh, the you watched Wyoming. Uh, you watched West Virginia Tech today. How bad was it for Tech? Yeah, I did. I watched the whole game. West Virginia Tech. Tech at one point late in the second quarter, guys, had twenty two yards of total offense. Yeesh. They had gone, I think, three and out four of six times. Now, they there's they don't have the offensive line they had a year ago. So they graduated some guys. They just don't they're not pass protecting as well. West Virginia has is a better team than they were a year ago. I mean this team Texas Tech blew West Virginia out last year. I think 48 to 10. Um and you know, West Virginia played ball control. Uh they 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 bled the clock. Uh and so I felt like uh, 
Barron's Morton's finally went in in the sec- late, later half of the second quarter uh, after Tyler Shuck went out with a really brutal injury, guys. Uh, he broke a fibula, apparently, uh, in that game, like really close to the ankle. It almost looked like the it almost looked like it was flopping a little bit. Yeah. Right. Really bad. Um, but uh, I will say this. Uh, the the idea uh, that uh, Texas Tech is really close is not it's not true. They don't have the receivers. They don't have the offensive line. They've lost some guys. I mean, I. It's 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 interesting what's going on in Lubbock right now. Uh, Ancient drummers asking Texas beat Jalen Daniels fifty-five to fourteen live stream. So I wanted to have Matt bring it up so we got that question. Answered. No, that's good. Here's the question. Here's the answer to that. It was his first week back from injury last year. Yeah. That's what's happened. And Bijan Robinson happened yeah. last year. I, I was going to say Kansas has added some guys through the portal on a defensive line that maybe make them a little better up front this year versus last year. I thought last year they were a sieve late in the year, right? I mean, this year, right now, Kansas is always a better team to play late in the year than early in the year because they're never going to be able to have that depth to hold up if they start having injury issues. So you're playing them the first half of the year. You're playing them in game five. They're a little healthier than they will be game 10. Uh, but they did a good job in the portal on the D-line. They got enough guys to where they have a rotation this year. Last year, I don't think they had a rotation on the D-line, especially late in the season. So, now, does that make them 41 points better? You know, I look, I mean, I think the biggest thing for me with this game, Ian and Bobby, we, we, can, I mean, we can talk about the what can happen, all this stuff, but here's my bottom line for Texas right now. And I think the coaching aspects fall in, in the place perfectly for Sark this year. They haven't played well at home yet. They, their best two games have come on the road. And, you know, it's great. It's a great week to be Sark because, you know, Rice, you didn't play up to the level. Then you go to BAM. It's easy coaching week. You come home, you didn't play up to the level expected against Wyoming. It's an easy coaching week to Baylor. This week you muffed some kicks. You got that on special teams. But you can sit there and tell your guys, hey, we have not played up to our level at home. And if we don't play up to our level at home Saturday, we may be in a game in the fourth quarter we don't need to be in. It's a great week to coach football for Sark. The, the coachings, the week-to-week coachings really fall into place for him this year, the way it's kind of uh, happened. But this team hasn't played up to the level at home. If they do, Kansas, is, I think, is in trouble. There is that, there is that uh, specter of the next week's opponent yeah. as a distraction. Yeah. So I don't. They and he probably would, ideally, would be balancing some Oklahoma prep this week, even though, you know, in some regards, Kansas is a little more dangerous than Oklahoma, at least offensively. But you have to give that Oklahoma game as much extra prep as you can because they are, you know. Yeah. Uh, Somebody just brought up. I think DKR is going to be very loud this weekend. I agree. As long as. Kansas doesn't choke the clock. That's when these stadiums get don't aren't loud. Um, when, is the, when is the kickoff for that, Jerry? Two thirty. Oh. I, I I gotta say this. So going back to what's different with Jalen Daniels in fifty-five to forty, he's cut. That is a very precise offense they run. It's a timing-based offense. When he hasn't been playing for three or four weeks, the timing's just not there. And so I, I went back and looked real quick. The game that, that catches my attention was Arkansas that they played last year in the bowl game. 
Guys, when I say they can score court points quick, with three minutes to go in the third quarter, Kansas was down 38 to 13. They took that game to double OT. Yeah. So they scored 25 points in 18 minutes. I believe they they their running backs were all dinged up too, I think. Yes. So they had to do it all with Daniels. Yes. And so he gets hot. What's the deal with it? What makes him different? He, he gets hot and everybody's going to have problems with it. Now, to, to, to one thing that I would say is different with Texas than most of the Big 12, not necessarily all of them, is that they can move the line of scrimmage back a little bit. Yeah. Right? Um, and force them to be a little bit, not necessarily one-dimensional, but less multi-dimensional. I guess is a better way to put it, right? Hey, by the way, did anybody notice, to your point, Bobby, like that was my issue in the first quarter of Alabama game when Alabama was running the ball well in Texas. Texas defensive linemen, their feet were never on the other side of the line of scrimmage. You know what I noticed in, in the Baylor game? Even when Trill Carter got in there, he was on Baylor's side of the line of scrimmage multiple times. Like, I, I, I think it's because Texas knew Baylor's offensive line had issues, but they were in full attack mode. Everybody that went out there, I mean, Trill Carter's an over-the-ball player, but he looked pretty quick coming off the ball for the first time. Obviously, he wasn't wearing a knee brace for the first time this year, but, I mean, did y'all notice that as well? Even Trill Carter was playing on Baylor's line of the scrimmage Saturday. It was clear they wanted to stop them from pulling on outside zone. Yeah. that's That was my thought. What about you, Ian? <laughs> that was a tough game for Baylor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, as saying it is only Ian can say it, and that's smirk. <laughs> so what you're saying is Derek Johnson would have literally taken a handoff if he was on that on the Texas team last week. <laughs> I mean, um, on on Jalen Daniels though in Kansas, they have um, sort of a similar zone play that they build around is Baylor. It's not quite as wide, but it's like outside zone is their bread and butter. But then they do a million things around it. They do play action. They do RPOs. They do rollouts. They do option. They do triple option. Um, a concern for them in this game is going to be, what if Texas feels so good about their defensive line that they just have everyone sit at home on all the surrounding action and then they and they wait a beat and they say, you, you just run the ball. You just try that. And if they can't, if Tavondre Sweat and Trill Carter, whoever else are in the backfield, then the whole Kansas offense just kind of puff of smoke gone. Do, do you see a scenario where Kansas maybe hit, gets Texas early in a drive? And, and I say this because they haven't faced any option. And it's hard to prepare for that, right? They, they fake counter and run option off the backside of that. Yep. I mean, can you see a scenario? Okay, well, okay, it takes Texas a – a series or two to settle in against the – they haven't played a quality offense this year, period. Alabama's not. And and that has multiplicity and actually is going to run some things you can't – you can practice for, but you can't really prepare for. Yeah, I think, um, you know, if Kansas doesn't score – I'll put it this way. If Kansas doesn't score on their opening script, yeah. then it's going to be a bad day for the Jayhawks. In I agree. But they might score on their first two drives. Potentially. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I would project that, but it wouldn't shock me. <laughs> All right. Here's a question guys from K John. Uh, the Texas defense has given up 10, 24, 10 and six points 
so far. Where is the weak spot Kansas can repeatedly go after on this defense? My take, safeties yeah. uh, in coverage have not been great down the field. Now, Jalen Daniels is a decent deep ball thrower, but that's not his expertise. So I, I don't know how that looks. Maybe maybe deep over the middle to the tight ends. What, what do you think, Ian? Yeah, I mean, I think along with those lines, just the opening script and whatever sort of misdirection they may have that they haven't put on film yet or that maybe they put on film just a little bit, but Texas's players were busy preparing for Oklahoma or reading their press clippings or whatever. I think that would be kind of the concern is if they just catch them with a few things that they didn't expect and it takes them a while to adjust. Um, I don't know that they have, they also, they, they have a knack for, um, they have this fullback tight end, Jared Casey. Mm-hmm. The first game he ever played for them. Oh, I know this. Was oh. the game against Texas. He caught the two point conversion. He had this great game against Texas in the game that they won in Austin in 2021. And since then, he's been like a, a sort of an Andrew Beck level fixture in their offense. It has a ton of eligibility somehow. And uh, they they find him open a lot. Um, so if you're not, you know, if you're not, if you're not ready for what they have prepared with their formations and their concepts, then I, I, right. I would say maybe that drop back intermediate passing game in particular. Okay. Uh, Zachary Moore here. Just want to say thanks to all of you guys from OTF and Inside Texas for providing us with inside knowledge of the program. Y'all really are the best in the business. Thank you, guys. We love, we love doing this. Uh, Jerry, any recruits to see in Missouri other than Wingo? Probably not in the 2024 class right now for Texas. No. Uh, although the Nwaneri guy, I think I'm saying his name right, the defensive end that's going to Missouri is pretty darn good. Apparently. Yeah, a good player to go watch play, right, if you want to do that. Um, and Ryan Wingo's out, I believe, with an injury still. So that's uh, you're not going to get to see him. Uh, but I, I was I was looking at that right now in 2025. If there's anybody, I would say, okay, go hey, just go watch him play. Um, you know, t- tied in that Ray Moore's committed to Georgia. The receiver Christian Brothers committed to Ohio State. McLennan's a good player. Um, Andrew Sprague, offensive tackle at Rockhurst, and KC is committed to Michigan. So look, uh, Anias Aeneas Williams' son is committed to Notre Dame. By the way, he's out of uh, Hannibal, running back. He's a very good player. Obviously, his dad's a Hall of Famer. So uh, it's a strong year in the state. I mean, they have guys committed to, um, I mean, Tennessee as well. I mean, it's a strong year in the state of Missouri. Notre Dame, Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia commitments. Ryan Wingo, Williams, Lanary, the top guy committed to Missouri. So you can you can go find some really good players to watch in Missouri, wherever you live. I'm going to check 25. I think they have a really good tight end in 25. Um, Lee Summit North as a receiver, Isaiah Mosey, who's a really good player. I should have mentioned him. He's a, he's a 2025. Um, but yeah, uh, Lee Summit North has a D tackle committed to OU, Kamari Moore. I mean, you can go around. There's plenty of SEC committed players or Big Ten committed players in Missouri. Just from what you just said, though, it doesn't sound very good for Missouri. No. I mean, because you, you were naming just about everybody but them except for one player. 
That was not the Missouri recruiting breakdown presented by Goosehead Insurance. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> Brandon Huey here uh, with one. Uh, this is for you more, Ian. Same defensive scheme that we saw in Tuscaloosa. You think it's going to be different? Um, yeah, probably. Well, okay. So, like with Jalen Daniels in particular, I imagine is what they're getting at. Yep. Um, I don't know that you want to let Milrow, sorry, uh, Jalen Daniels sit back there like they did at times with Milrow. Right. I think you're better encouraging him to scramble. He's a dangerous scrambler, but it's not like Milrow. Milrow was, I mean, don't cringe. He was almost a little more like Vince Young and that the way that he really wanted to kill you is with the scramble and he could just about do it. Um, Daniels is not that level. He's going to do his best damage by buying time to throw. He can run around on you. He can pick up third and seven, but he's not going to get like, you know, like 15 carries for 150 yards, like a, like an elite scrambling quarterback could do to you. So, I mean, I think they're going to heat him up a little bit and uh, they may spy him. Some can get away with that when Anthony Hill, because he's really good at tracking guys like that, but uh, it's, it's not exactly the same challenge. They like, and they cannot play like with zone eyes like they did against Milrow, where they had guys running free at times that they knew Milrow wasn't going to find. Uh, Daniels can find those guys. So it, it, a little bit different. Got it. Want to say thanks to our sponsor. Uh, that is Energy Texas. Uh, uh, guys, right now they have a special. If you are uh, in a, a situation where you can actually uh, choose your energy company uh, in a deregulated state like Texas, uh, give Energy Texas a shout, www.energytexas.com. Right now, they have a special called a Flex Plan that allows you to change your energy plan each and every month. You can do that every time you want to. Uh, check them out at energytexas.com or call them, 855-461-1129. We appreciate their sponsorship uh, of the live stream. Hey, uh, Jerry and, and Ian, this one is... Uh, for us all here, are we too comfortable at home, Dax Kellum asks. Do you guys anticipate this to be a trend that ends this weekend? And by the way, congratulations to Rod. Again, Rod Babers, uh, our uh, cohort here on, on Texas football and inside Texas. Uh, he uh, had a kiddo yesterday, a uh, little baby girl. Uh, we wish him nothing but the best. But back to this, are we too comfortable at home conversation? Jerry, you had something to say about this earlier. Yeah, I, I, I think I think. Maybe yes. I think the interesting thing though is the schedule. So, and I didn't give it enough credit. You play Rice at home, you have Alabama the week after. The week after you beat Alabama, you have Wyoming at home, right? I mean, even uh, the Wyoming coach said Texas was going to have some sort of a letdown. There's no way they weren't after beating Alabama when we came to town. Um, this is the first time a home a Texas played at home in a game that matters, truly matters, and truly has their attention because now after you beat Alabama, now it's your 4-0. and I mean, I, I can't say it better than Matthew McConaughey said it in 05. He said the Big 12 championships, your goal, the national championships, your dream. You now have a dream. You now have a dream because you beat Alabama. And the Big 12 championship still your goal. So I think this week we're going to see a better Texas at home. Um, I, I think what's interesting for Quint with Quinn at home for me, and Ian, I, I haven't discussed this, um, somebody said KJ Lacey would be the scout team quarterback who's at Texas this week. That is true. Um, but uh, I, I, I would say I've said this, Ian. I think Quinn's more comfortable on the road. 
I, I just, I, you know, like I'm there when the team gets off the bus and, you know, playing quarterback at Texas is, is a pretty unique thing for a college person. I, I kind of equate it from a smaller version. You're a Texas fan version. Every golf swing Tiger Woods took for 10 years was chewed up and spit out. Everything he did, whether good shot, bad shot, average shot, I mean, it was broken down every single thing the guy did. Any movement in his golf swing, anything. Quinn has to live with that as the Texas quarterback on a good team. If you're on a crappy team, it doesn't really matter. Uh, But you're on a good team, and you're ranked very highly, so your expectations are way higher than anybody else in the program. Um, I I just think he's a more comfortable guy on the road. I just really think he plays with a little more freedom on the road. And that's not a bad thing, but I think there until he goes and delivers at home and, and he can, I'm not saying he can't. I just think, man, it's a fishbowl when you're a Texas quarterback. I'll say that it's a fishbowl. Uh, it seems possible, but it's, it's hard to tell just because of the circumstances, right? Like, I mean, he had a chance to show up on the road in Stillwater last year and uh, didn't go so well. And um Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. I, I wonder, though, there could you, you might be right. And there may be another thing of just that pressure of wanting to have that big yeah. signature game in front of the crowd. Because the kid grew up a Longhorn fan. Like he dreamed of playing big games in that stadium and winning games. And so that's a little extra pressure. That's extra pressure. And that he hasn't quite because, I mean. Right, he does not have a signature home game performance. He's got almost with Alabama, right? right. And then not. And then yeah. all of the other home games were ranged from okay to not that great. So still looking for it. Yeah, he's still looking for it. He'll get it. He'll get it. But and I think until he does, I, I think there's just to your point and my point, I think we're on it. All right. Uh got a question coming in from the inside Texas message board for you guys. Uh, this is from Cartesian Demon. It's also for me. Thought Bobby made an interesting comment about how Bar- Baron Sorrell was be- playing a different sort of role this year uh, within the defense. Would you mind elaborating on this? Is his first priority just setting the edge? It was actually that priority last year, too. He's a different he- – he's being asked to be – last year he was the sack guy on the team at five and a half sacks. Now – He's not the only one getting to the quarterback. What nine different guys have sacks on this tack on this team right now? It's ridiculous. What I meant by that is he doesn't have to carry the weight of that, of getting to the quarterback. 
Other guys are doing it too. The scheme is doing it, et cetera. So it wasn't so much guys that, uh, from my standpoint at least, wasn't so much that he's playing a different position or being asked to do anything different. The weight is less on him, and so he can actually not be overextended and trying to be doing too much instead of just what he's being asked to do. Um, all right. Uh, here's one of my favorite questions of the night uh, from Daniel Kinnaman. Does the Big 12 run through Lubbock asking for a friend? Joey the Mouse says so. <laughs> Joey the Mouse says so. Uh, hey, uh, Ian, your question, this one from Russell Hinkle. Uh, does the Kansas O-line have the depth and talent to handle our D-line? No. No. <laughs> no. Um, now, if they're able to run the ball a lot, they may look better than if they have to sit back and pass protect. If they have to sit back and press, pass protect, then this they're not going to look very good at all. Uh, they don't really have true tackles. They took a five, former five-star from Wisconsin, but he's not even a starter. Um, he wasn't panning out of Wisconsin either, so doesn't look good for his football future. But, but um, yeah, they, they are, they've gotten to the point where they're pretty good at running the ball. But we haven't seen them have to do that against Texas. It's probably one of the best defensive lines in the whole country. And pass protection is – they don't want to live there, just to put it mildly. Got it. Uh, Jerry, real quick, from Juan, a super chat here. Jerry, is Texas still talking to Terrence Hibbler, the defensive lineman out of Mississippi that's committed to Mississippi State? I have not heard that. Um, I, I, I would say that would be a situation where he'd have to reach out to Texas. I have not heard that's happened. Got it. Um, from Stay Woke here, uh, another uh, super chat uh, we've got. Have you seen the Washington receivers catch radius? Wow. Our guys had a pretty good improvement last last week. What do you think? I didn't see any drops last week from the Longhorns. In fact, I saw two one-handed catches, one by Jonathan Brooks and one by Jatavian Sanders. It's their time to shine. Uh, if the Texas receivers take another step, and become the group that we think they can be, this this offense goes another level, in my opinion, guys. Y'all agree with that? Yeah. That's like yeah. the uh, – I mean, I, they may be able to win the Big 12 either way. But uh, if you want to talk about the dream, then it's that's, that comes down to the passing game and where this passing game goes over the course of the season. Got it. I, I would agree with that. Agree. Adam Lane, you don't have to bring it up. Adam Lane is Texas going after Ryan Williams from Sailor. Absolutely going after him. Are they going to get anywhere? We'll see. That's a that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a tough one. Hey, hey, we've had this question a lot, and I can't answer it, Ian. And I don't know if you've done enough on Pam Sadat's uh, background to, to be able to answer this accurately. Jerry and Bobby, what impact has Pam Sadat had on the defense and going after opposing QBs? Also, who will have the most interceptions? Everybody said not. Everybody said not Jalen Ford again going into this year, but he and uh, Jaron Thompson leading the team at two apiece right now. Uh, what, what do you think about Payam Sadat though, uh, Ian? Um, he so his deal was he ran this kind of old flex defense at what was it Portland State that there was like what like Dick Tomey and and Dwayne Aquino used to do at Arizona back in the day. Um. I wondered if they might use Anthony Hill so that they would like stand a linebacker up right up on the line. Like he was like a, like he was a three technique, but he was playing off the ball. 
that was like the the kind of the quirk to their defense in the, in the flex defense. And I kind of wondered if they would use Hill like that this year. But I don't think I've seen anything like that. They have done some uh, kind of five down on the line. They'll put five guys in the line of scrimmage and be able to stunt and loop and, and cause problems. But it's really different. I haven't seen a lot of Sadat. And, and PK has done a ton of different things throughout his career. So it's hard to say if there's any like big game-changing ideas that Sadat has brought that they've implemented or not without the staff telling us, which they're not telling me. Yeah, so, I got you. Okay. I got you. No, that's good stuff, guys. Hey, uh, guys, uh, somebody's asking if jo- Jonathan Brooks is going to get his third straight 100-yard game. Robert Muhammad here, what kind of day will the RBs have against Texas? Against, have against Texas? I want to add this before y'all pro- project that. Cedric Baxter back at practice, everything going well for him. So expect Jonathan Brooks and said Baxter on Saturday. Jerry, what do you think about the RBs against Kansas? I think if Kansas uh, wants to play their safeties deep, um, I think they're not playing BYU this week. Um, I, and I think Texas will run the ball effectively on them uh, because I don't think DJ Campbell and Kelvin Bank- Banks will have it any other way, quite frankly. Kelvin Banks can't wait to hit somebody, and it's just now Tuesday night. He can't wait that he can't wait to knock somebody on their ass Saturday. <laughs> DJ Campbell can't either, man. Uh, that's all that's all I'm saying. I mean, he is he's ready. <laughs> it's yeah. Tuesday night and he he's really ready right now. You expect Ian, you expect Texas to be able to run against Kansas? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no doubt. Uh, BYU, like I said, they I mean they when they would double the nose, he was gone. He was back in Kansas. Um I, I think Brooks, he has a very good chance at hitting 100 every week because he's so fast. So he's really developed into a, a pretty good all-around back. But in, in the right, I mean, he gets one good run and he doesn't even need to get like 20 to 30 carries to get his 100 yards. He can do it, you know, in 12 sometimes. I don't know if that's going to happen this week or not. Kansas safeties do tackle pretty well. But I don't know if they run well enough, so – Interesting. Definitely opportunities on the ground. All right. Uh, this one coming in from Justin Yarbrough. Thank you for the super chat. Uh, what's y'all's take on Sark saying guys aren't on a pitch count? Is it just coach speak and playing younger safeties for experience and save Jalen and Bug? Uh, so Jalen Catalan and uh, Jaron Thompson for more needed games. This is for Rod's diaper fund. Congrats to him. They played those other safeties a little bit against uh, other teams too, but now – the safety rotation was not as heavy against Alabama. Let's be clear. Right. Uh, Keaton Crawford came in, but Derek Williams and Michael Taff, uh, I, I don't know if either of them saw time. It was Crawford, Catalan, and Thompson almost the entire way back there. Look, I, I'm not, I don't want to sit here and say, all right, Sark, you're lying. That's not what I'm saying. I understand coaching, and I understand press conferences. Uh, that's they're definitely trying to keep Catalan healthy. I mean, you say they know what anybody else knows. He's had an injury history. He plays a very violent game from the safety position. He plays with zero regard for his body. And if he plays a lot of snaps early in the season, the chance of him being healthy after the injuries he's been through are near zero. Um, so yes, they are absolutely, they know this team has depth. They know this team, especially after beating Alabama has a chance at some really cool things this year. And they're going to do their best to keep him healthy because they can and still win games. What's your take on that, Ian? The same as Jerry's. I think he's got it right. Um, 
Catalan, he had a big hit against Baylor. Where I mean, he just runs full speed into the hit. Hey, that's, <laughs> he, he, got, he was running for 13 yards downhill. And, and he wasn't going to slow up until his Brian, shoulder was in pain or something. Brian Irwin, guys, on, on the Monday lunch with the coach, Brian Irwin, and he was before we even started or after we finished, I can't remember what it was, he was describing this play that he saw because he had good seats or whatever at the game where Catalan, it was like the first or second play of the game, and he just saw a blur come. And and Catalan literally, like, he missed the tackle. But by missing, he made the runner redirect. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, and so it, instead of a seven- or eight-yard gain, it was a three- or four-yard gain. And, and Brian Irwin literally said, I want that guy playing for me. Because yeah. <laughs> that was the second play of the game. That dude's ready to go <laughs> right now. He wants to play football. And so uh, that, that's uh, – I, I, I also go back to what Rod and, and Drew said, though. You, it's hard to keep those guys healthy when they have almost absolutely zero regard for their body. Yeah. It's like Bob uh, and Sanders. That's been part of it. What's that, Ian? Like this, I mean, he really is just another Bob Sanders. I don't know if you all remember the Colts. Oh, yeah, from Iowa that went to uh, the Colts. Yep. Yeah, the Col- the Colts had a season. I think the season that won the Super Bowl was like one of the few seasons where they were able to keep him healthy for just enough of the season in the playoff run. And the rest of the time, he was like 5'9", 200, and just trying to end the world on every play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, here's, a, here's a question uh, for us from UT Parking Super Chat. How much work with Becton do players get in season? Actually, quite a bit. I think it's yeah. every – I'll ask Eric this tomorrow on the state of the program. I think it's every Wednesday morning that they, they do some work and they do some light lifting and light weights, I think, and train just uh, rehab type stuff on Sundays. Uh, obviously, out of season is, is really where they're in with uh, Tory Becton uh, at almost all times. Sorry, Ski Brick made me laugh. That was a pretty good in the comments section. Jeez. I'll have to look that up. We'll get Matt to bring that up. Uh, for no, I don't know if we want to bring it up. It was oh, okay. 7.59 <laughs> p.m. Tip the, tip the cap, the ski break. Uh, hey, from Chin Ups, any injury updates on Banks and Christian Jones? Uh, here's what we have right now. Uh, thanks for asking, Chin Ups. Uh, Banks uh, went out with an ankle, the tweaked ankle uh, on uh, Saturday night against Baylor. He was full go at practice, I believe, on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, Christian Jones, he actually came out because he vomited, <laughs> not because he was actually injured. Uh, and so they kept him out the rest of the game. Uh Ian and Jerry, this I love this question here. Uh, this one comes from Freshwater Cajun. Question for y'all. How much of our offensive and defensive ceiling have we shown? I say 75% offense, 85% defense. Those numbers aren't bad. I might even say 65% offense, just for the record. So the offense still has um, – Baxter can get better. Yeah. And then the passing game and the timing – I mean, there's a lot of things about the passing game that can and, and almost definitely will get better. With like yours timing, his footwork can get a little more consistent, pass protection, knowing what kind of defenses teams are going to play against Texas and nailing down all the routes that they like to beat them. Um, defensive ceiling is going to come from things like we talked about, like just playing Catalan more. Um, Anthony Hill getting better. I mean, yeah. that guy – like one of the most talented players on the team, and he has this like small bit role on the team right now. Um, potentially some shakeups in the secondary could actually make this team better if they act, but they don't 
need to shake anything up that much because everything works so well. So I, I, those numbers seem pretty good to me. I'm just kind of talking it out. What that what goes into that? No, I, I thought the uh, I, I think offensively another interesting interesting thing to me is the the Jonte Cook catch against Baylor. Not the catch, but you know he, he was out. He was pretty much running a vertical from the slot. Yeah. Uh, and so Whittington isn't the guy you run the vertical from the slot with. That's kind of the I, the first time I remember seeing that in the game. So now John Tay Cook's four games into it, and he has more of that downhill speed. So you can sit there and you can run four verticals with faster guys now that John Tay Cook is getting his feet wet, kind of to uh, Ian's point. There's a little more uh, there's a little more gas in the tank right there than there was at the beginning of the season. As far as and, being and Quinn threw it on, time. Quinn threw that ball on time too, Jerry. Yeah, I think that was the same play that they ran against Washington in the bowl game, where he also put it on the money and Worthy dropped it. Yeah, it, it was the same route. I don't know if it was the exact same route pattern or not, but yeah, right up the seam from the number three. Hey, and by the way, here? Brian Irwin brought this up, Bobby and Rick and McGuey just said it too. Quint those incredible balls down the seam, down the middle of the field. Brian Irwin pointed that out, and he was 100% right. Quinn's – every quarterback has an area they don't throw it as well. Deep right has been Quinn's issue. but I, I That's been the one for him. Um, anything in the middle seems – I mean, even the ball in the Wyoming game that Sanders didn't come down with with a one-hand catch but somebody had his arm wide, that was a hellacious pass. I mean, that window was – extremely tight to make that throw similar to the one he made at Oklahoma uh, to Sanders last year. I mean, he throws the ball along the, the hash marks and the seams tremendously. Well, that is his strength touch. Yep. All right. Uh, anybody think Xavier worthy will get seven yards the next game. I think that takes him over 2000 for his career, right? That's, that's the comment. I, I think uh, Jerry pointing that out. Uh, and we do need to mention that uh, congrats to uh, Xavier getting so close. One of the, uh, He's going to go down as one of the highest rated or most productive receivers ever in a Longhorn uniform. Uh, Texas does not have a history of producing great uh, receivers over the year. years. Of course, during the Daryl Royal years, it was three yards in a cloud of dust. And not really until John Makovic came in did they start uh, producing uh, wide receivers at that level. Um, have they been uh, – this one from Jay Ward. Have they been resting Barron for these next two games? I don't think so. I think that was a maneuver simply for Baylor's outside zone. Uh, y'all, y'all agree with that? Yeah, they they've just been taking him off the field when they're not in nickel, and they were not in nickel for chunks of the Wyoming and definitely the Baylor game. Baylor might have Baylor might have noticed that and thought, well, let's just keep him off the field. That guy's a terrorist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there is that. <laughs> hey, this one's from Loba Bread. Now, I know y'all's job is, and thank you for the super chat, everyone that's uh, uh, donated and, and done that for us tonight. We appreciate it. I know y'all's job is to cover all things Texas football, but do y'all have the same anxiety fandom as normal fans when it comes down to game time? I know we are 4-0, but these next eight ga games might shave years off my life. Look, Bobby, I'll let you answer this one. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm my, I'm a, you know, there's a, the saying a rolling ball of butcher's knives that yeah. Daryl Royal uh, coined to describe a, a, the way a guy run runs. I'm a rolling ball of nerves <laughs> a 
on game days and uh, when when things big bigger going on. Uh, so the answer is yes, no, and and sometimes for me. I don't know about you guys, Ian. You seem like you're much more analytical, uh, well, even though you may have some uh, juices flowing as well. You know, Dave Aranda had this interesting quote in one of his post-Texas. I'm posts. definitely not Dave Aranda. I'll put it that way. Aranda That's not my MO like, on game day. He was like, the guys that are really calm, the, the people that are seem really calm and quiet, it's usually not that way on the inside. Um, I don't know that I'm – well, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly collected on the inside too, but like the first game of the year, I usually feel – you know, that feeling, the butterflies before, because it's like, okay, we're about to find out what kind of season this is going to be, you know. Uh, and with us, like our jobs, so much of our day and time is spent. And if the team is this way or that way, it makes a big difference on what your six months of your year are going to be like and what the next. Um, and then the Red River shootout is always one that just feels a little different. When I, when I would go to that game as a student, it felt like a three-hour heart attack. <laughs> I, went in, I went in 07, 08, and 09. And, uh, 09 Those were three pretty good games. They were great, but 09 in particular was just a three-hour heart attack. I, 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 I thank God for Marquise Goodwin. Go ahead, Jerry. I, I have a unique answer for this. Um, it, it, it's interesting. It, it's probably, I'm probably lucky that you know my father was a coach. I, and I vaguely remember this. I was more nervous being a ball boy on the sidelines on Friday nights for some of their games. And I think it's because I was felt like I was part of the team in a weird way. You know, player would come by and pat you on the head type of thing. Now, not so much. Then, uh, back then, it was just different. Maybe it's for the way I, it was brought up. I can tell you as far as a Texas game, it wasn't a football game. It, it was the uh, it was the Elite Eight basketball game that year with Michigan State being in that arena, um, and and Michigan State kept that close enough because look, you knew you knew how big of a deal that was for University of Texas from a basketball perspective. Um, that you know, I I think T, when TJ came to Texas, then when Vince came to Texas, right? Um, but it, that was such a big deal at the time. But because it had been a it had been U of H was really the only basketball team in the state uh, that had been to the final four in a long time. And you knew if Texas got to a final four in basketball, what that was going to do for the program. That was a different feel for me than uh, anything in a while. Hey, let's let's give some nods. Uh, Landon Rodriguez here has a good one. No, why is nobody talking about Justice Finkley? He did have a nice game against Baylor, guys. Yeah. They've got like 30 players playing good on defense right now. It's, it's hard to. <laughs> Finkley's been really good at drops. I mean, he's been good in run defense. And I noticed when he comes in, they will drop him into different places on zone blitzes and he gets good drops. So shout out to the Dr. Finkley and the fam. <laughs> hey, hey, Bobby and Ian, I think that we talked about this morning. Cedric Baxter, and, I, and I'm just going to bring this in the D-line. Cedric Baxter was a starter, game one and two. Then he's had the injuries. Jonathan Brooks with Baxter down. Jonathan Brooks has had two really good games. All that's going to do is push Cedric Baxter now. I think what we're seeing on the defensive line is, you know, when you have two, three guys that are playing at an extremely high level and you have a young guy like Ethan Burke that really comes on to the sins, I just think this is what we're seeing with competition. I think you're seeing other guys push themselves 
maybe to sometimes to a level they haven't had to before. And I think that's what you see when a team starts having success at a certain position or just a, a team in general. It really does push guys because they're sitting there saying, oof, I got to take it to another level if I'm going to get snaps. Or or they finally get a taste of it, like yep. Jamon Tapp. Yeah. That, that's one of mine. Hey, uh, this one's a good one uh, from Game Time uh, 3161 or 161. Uh, Sark mentioned in the rewind that we haven't had any stupid penalties like roughing or unsportsmanlike conduct. Thoughts on how mature this team is? That's true, guys. I mean, have they had many 15-yard penalties other than P.I. at this point? I don't recall one. No. Good point from Steve Sarkeesian there. Hey, hey, and by the way, we we uh, Bobby and I have a, a mutual friend, Yogi. Uh, Yogi's uh, bagel and breakfast shop outside the TCU campus. If you're in Fort Worth and haven't been there, you need to go. But Yogi always used to text me during Alabama games when Nick had those unbelievable teams. When's the last time you saw them beat themselves? When's the last time you saw them get a 15-yarder celebration penalty at a crucial time? Do something really stupid. They were so disciplined for so many years. Um, if we can if we can get that from Sark at Texas, Texas will be in good shape. Because Alabama did not beat themselves for about a decade. That's true. It's absolutely and maybe it helps true. when you have really good players. But I still think there's discipline that comes with those really good players. There's a healthy fear. All right. Uh, this one from uh, Victor Santiago, guys. Um, you know, what? how good is the Texas screen game right now? That's something that, that Sark uh, actually mentioned in his Monday press conference. Uh, Jonathan Brooks scored off it of, of it. Uh, I guess it was – was it Rice? or uh, Yeah, I think it was Rice. Uh, they came back to it again against Baylor. It worked again. Uh, they threw a little delay to Cedric Baxter uh, on uh, uh, Saturday night. Uh, look – how good is the Texas screen game? And and I forget to even mention Gunnar Helm, guys. Uh, they, they used him in that regard, not just JT Sanders. Is Sark just dialing up a bunch of screens this year from different angles to, to make sure everybody's accounting for everybody so they can't just, uh, you know, sit there and try to rush five all the time? What, what, what goes into that thought process, Ian? Well, they were pretty good at last year, but they're just better now. Um, you know, they have – so, like, the things that make for a good screen team is one is being able to misdirect them. So, Texas has all these weapons, so it's not that hard to get teams looking the wrong way. Athletic linemen that can hit targets in space is another big weapon in a screen game, and they have definitely have that. Um, when the quarterback can run around and throw from different angles and off-platform, that helps. Like, they have those throwback screens to Jonathan Brooks that they've scored on a few times. They'll have like Quinn like roll one way and then like turn and then throw all the way back across the field. And and then it'll go down as like a really bad A dot or whatever. Those are really difficult throws and Quinn is really good at them. And then, you know, they have one of the best tight ends in the country. They're running back, can snag it with one hand and run 22 miles an hour. <laughs> they're, they're, they're very good at screens. They have a lot of designs. They have a lot of weapons. They have a lot of ways they can do it. Do you remember uh, the only team I can remember that was really comparable was um, the 2008 Sooners. I don't know if y'all remember. Oh yeah. With Gresham. Um, L on wheels with screens. They, yeah. they had like a slip screen to like DeMarco Murray. Yes. Where they would like, they, you just, their whole line would be downfield plowing over people and it was just, and then Murray in space. 
It was they were a nightmare. Uh, to to y'all's point, th- there's one real very simple thing about football: the team that can make uh, somebody defend a 160 feet by 360 feet. If you're the one team that can make everybody defend it, man, you are the one. Um, and and I think Sark is part of his plan is to try to because he knows he has weapons this year is to try to make those teams def- – I, I, I'm just telling you, I know people, we talk about how much he throws deep. I think he wants he wants to challenge deep with routes, even if he has no intention of throwing deep. I, he wants to make people cover 360, 360 feet. All right. Hey, I uh, want to say thanks one last time uh, before we take a couple last questions uh, to our sponsor, and that's energytexas.com. They have a flex plan for your energy uh, program if you want to get involved. All you have to do is go to energytexas.com. You can change your plan each and every month at no additional cost. Uh, It's Energy Texas, Texas Electricity Done Right, or visit them online at www.energytexas.com. We appreciate uh, their ongoing sponsorship of uh, the live stream with us. Um, Hey, a lot of people are asking. There's one question I, I just it clicked off my screen. David Benda, Ian. Jerry and I talked about him. I've talked about some other. How fast is David Benda? He flew across the field, made an open field tackle. My Lord, he was moving. This is from a Victor Abundance. Is he just, do you think his he's starting to see it a little bit better maybe as a senior? I mean, it happens. Yeah, for sure. He, he's been there for a long time. So David Benda, I just looked it up because I knew that he ran track in high school. Yeah. And he ran a looks like his best time was 11 one eight in the 100 meters. So that's not going to impress somebody for like a wide receiver, but for a linebacker, that's pretty dang quick. That's like a, that's probably like a laser four, six kind of guy. I, I was going to say we had him in the under armor game um, in, in under armor camps. And I was, I was kind of looking back to see if anybody had his laser time and I don't see it, but I can tell you from having him at under armor camp and under armor game, fast he, he was always really quick starter like even in drills you'd say boom like he looked shot out of a can a little bit and i think it's taken him a long time to kind of harness it because once you fall step with that type of athleticism you're out of a play yeah. um but he though he he can absolutely fly i i wouldn't be shocked if a, a pro day at texas or something he ran in the mid four fives it wouldn't shock me he's too quick of a starter yeah 11-1-8 is legitimately good. Yeah. All right. Uh, here's one that I want to look forward to, a little forward-looking here, Jerry. And this is more uh, your uh, standpoint uh, from Brandon Ralston. Who will our starting safeties be after this year predictions? Does Catalan come back? Does I mean, Jaron Thompson could, theor- because of COVID, could theoretically come back. Keaton Crawford could come back. Derek Williams is back. You got to think Derek Williams is probably one of them. He's going to start. Um, I, uh, I, I venture a guess to think Catalan should go test the NFL if he gets out healthy. If he gets out healthy, absolutely. But, but, and he probably will. But in the NIL day and age, I mean, I'm not sure he gets passes the physicals enough to get drafted. Because he has an injury history, and there are people are going to be scared about the way he plays. 
Um, in the NIL day and age, let's see what happens there. I mean, I, 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 it's hard for me to say absolutely for on Catalan because that injury history, and maybe that's the reason he said I've had enough. I'm just going to go try. Um, but NIL is a little different game now for some of these guys. But Derek Williams will be one of them. Um, I just – the thing I find hard to believe, guys, is the star position right now has Jordan, Gilbo, and Jelani McDonald, two, three, four. They're going to want to get Jelani McDonald on the field. I mean, could a Gilbo move to a safety spot next year? I mean, you're telling me Gilbo can't play safety on the level of some of the other guys? I, I find that hard to believe. Um, so I'm interested to see if there's going to be any juggling at the safety position uh, in spring practice because I just don't see all of those guys being at star. I think Jelani McDonald's going to force his way onto the field. All right, I want to I want to say this. Oh, did you have something else, uh, Ian? What's McDonald up to now? Do we know his weight? Well, I don't. I don't know. It, it, he just looks tall and lean and long. Well, Ian, <laughs> Ian, what we were talking about, uh, Bobby and I, we had a question. I think we were talking about it on a live stream, maybe on Sunday night with Rod. Um, but the thing about Jelani McDonald is like, so when Texas went for, traditional four three and took their star off the field Saturday. Is Jelani McDonald that player moving to the SEC where you just kind of he is this line he's the star he's the linebacker he's the whole thing? If that is that not ideally what Texas would like to have at some point because a lot of SEC teams play with it. The Georgia and Alabama don't. They don't. I would rather I would rather have the corner, but I mean we'll see what he can do, right? I mean if he's Isaiah Simmons, then yeah, right. I mean, okay. I, I it's hard for me with McDonald without. Having really seen him, I know he's like an amazing specimen uh, with all this ability, but I, I have not seen a lot of like what his actual football skills are. So I, it's hard for me to place him. I want to start with this. I, I want to end tonight with this one, guys. Snake Venom, ever since we lost that game to Kansas a few years ago, two years ago, I guess, or maybe back when Deontay Foreman and Charlie Strong said sayonara, I guess, with, with Charlie Strong, uh, I always get nervous to play Kansas. Um, that's fair. Um, I want to say this, uh, to see Steve Sarkeesian's credit, he singled out this game from two years ago as kind of a, a, a come to Jesus moment for his program, how far it needed to go and what he needed to do to get it back. Right. Um, he said, not all storms are bad. Some storms clean out what you need to get rid of and, and remove the warts. And that's what he feels like. Um, I think that happened. I think the loss to Iowa state also happened that year and, and occurred, made that happen a little bit. Um, and so while those things can happen and be bad uh, and be bad on a fan base, sometimes there's, you know, there's some good, around the corner. Kidding. You know what the, you know what the most amazing thing about the the Kansas game in 21 was to me? Arch Manning and Cooper Manning were in the stands for that game. Jeez. And they still made the decision to come to Texas. At the time I was thinking, mm, that's not." And by the way, Mario Cristobal was the coach at Oregon. I, I mean, it, it, those two things at the time, but really that Arch and Cooper were at that game. 
I always, I always remember that saying, "Oof, you just gave up 57 to Kansas, bro. brother. That ain't good." <laughs> no, no doubt. All right, Ian, you have anything you want to add? Well, just the thought in that moment. I remember, like in our threads, our text threads and stuff. The thought after that game was, the Sark era is doomed. This is going to be such a huge narrative hit. The, the Mannings are in town, losing to Kansas again. They didn't have Banks. They didn't have uh, uh, Cam yeah. Williams in the fold because they were in Oregon, going to Oregon. So, yeah, <laughs> things are really done a, a one Harold year. Perkins and Denver Harris were laughing in the in the stands yeah. on Instagram. Hey, or, Sam, hey Sandman23 jokingly said uh, they all thought they could start there. Uh, that's yes. <laughs> hey, I, I want to say thank you uh, to Ian and, and uh, Jerry, but also uh, talk to you guys about InsideTexas.com. That's where Jerry, Ian, and myself are each and every uh, day. Uh, check us out. Uh, if you get there and want to subscribe, please consider it. Right now we have a special, just $1 for two months of Inside Texas. Use the promo code OTFIT23. That's OTFIT23. You have to select the monthly offer uh, to get the monthly deal. It is uh, the best one out there you're going to find. All right, uh, Jerry Hamilton, Ian Boyd, it's been another one uh, for tonight on, on uh, Longhorn Livestream. We also appreciate our sponsor, EnergyTexas.com. Uh, for Jerry and Ian, uh, that's going to do it for tonight. Uh, guys, have a good one. Be safe. We'll see you tomorrow with Coffee and Football. We have the Kansas Beat Rider coming on tomorrow morning at 8.30 a.m. Have a good one, guys.